This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Gelsman gets there. Another good kick from him and here's Hartman now. Hartman going past one man, finding Wagstaff. Wagstaff turning well, setting up Chilton. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Hull and Bat podcast. I'm joined today by William Young, Ant Northgraves and Nathaniel Wingham. Today we're going to be discussing a couple of different topics, um, varying between recapping the Fulham game, previewing the Bournemouth game, talking about some potential signings, and we're going to add a nice little fresh part in here called Ant's Rant. So that's one to look forward to. <laughs> that's basically going to be something that's negged Ant out this week, so we're going to work on that one. So... First of all, I'd like to start by thanking all of our sponsors. We've got a couple of different partners. First one being Hull City Retro. If you don't know anything about these, I mentioned them on the last podcast. What they do is they um, recreate old Hull City shirts for people like ourselves that wasn't around at the time that fancy a bit of the old school shirt. Affordable prices and brilliant, and brilliant basically, for the match day um, atmosphere. A lot of people around the town are starting to wear these, so join in, get yourself involved. Uh, the second one is Hull Badgeman. This is a guy who stands outside the ground selling the badges. These can often be either a badge for who we're against or just a, a badge of the Hull City Crest. Again, after the pandemic we've just been through, it's really important that we all plug together during this time and help each other out. FanHub is an app that we are partnered with at the moment. And what we do on this is we predict upcoming um, games. You can check into games where you're at. You can, sorry, you can predict the starting lineup, and it's also where you can tag into what games you've been at, etc. Um, so th- the last one we'd like to mention is Charlie Spalding filmmaking. Um, Charlie, I've known for a long time through the FIFA factory um, around the town. He's making films and. He boasts a brilliant portfolio at the moment after working with people such as Jackie Abbott and brands like Adidas. So um, hopefully brings a lot to the table for ourselves, brings a bit of brand recognition, and hopefully we can help him grow in the local area as well. So without further ado, I'd like to move on to the Fulham game. So Will, would you like to start us off in terms of what you thought to the Fulham game? Well, um, I thought it was pretty much what I expected it to be, the, a team that's going to be near the top of the table. I think challenging, probably, in my opinion, was if I had asked before the season, probably with the league, comfortably defeating a side that's newly promoted, really. 
Um, I thought City didn't play badly, though, despite that. I thought overall they were actually okay, especially compared to Wednesday night against Derby. Um, it could have been a lot worse. I expected Fulham to probably play a lot more devastating football against us, but I think at 2-0 they seemed to be... They controlled it, but they seemed to be quite happy relatively with what they had anyway. Fair enough. Uh, I think we all agree on that one. We, we, we performed a lot better than Wednesday night, so it, there was definitely positives to take from the game. I mean, what about you, Ant? Do you think, do we walk away from Craven Cottage with a bit of pride, feeling good about the result? Not the, not so much the result, the performance? I do. I think, um, you know, when you put, put, put this league into perspective compared to what we were facing last season, um, we sort of need to remember that we're not going to be up there anymore. Um you know, them years have probably passed us for a little bit now, at least. Um, the What you can forgive as a fan when you're watching a game is effort. You know, if you lose, but but they've gone out there and they've given everything, um, you, you tend to be, you know, more accepting in that loss. And you've gone, yeah, you know, they've played yeah, well. The QPR game <clears throat> was woeful to watch on it from start to end. So, I mean, you know. You mean the dab game? Yeah, uh, dab game, yeah. So, yeah. understandably, a, a lot of frustration from that. And then, when you move to playing a team like Fulham away, you're fearing for the worst, especially considering we went 2-0 yeah. down in the first half within like half an hour. Um, you're thinking, oh, no, here we go. But no, they did. They, I, I think we more than matched them. We had a few good chances. It's just um, some regular um, issues appearing, like, you know, being wasteful with chances and a few lapses at the back. And But it's stuff that we can iron out and work on. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too worried. I think, I think we played well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we all saw, didn't we? we all, I think we all thought the same thing as well. 2-0 down, you kind of go... Oh, here we go. Against against Fulham. They don't look like they're going to get beat this season. Let's be realistic. They, they look brilliant. They probably are going to get beat, but they don't look like they're going to get beat. But you instantly go, it's damage limitations. You've literally just got to try and keep this score down as low as possible. We, I don't think we actually did that. We we stayed in what appeared to be like our third game. We we, can't, we tried to get forward. So it was impressive to see that. I mean, what for you, Nathaniel, what was different to the Derby game? Like What stood out for you that was different? Well, we weren't totally garbage. I think that was the main difference. Um, I'm glad that we didn't have a podcast immediately after the Derby game because that was really dire. Yeah. I mean, we improved, but I mean, that's not saying much. But yeah, I mean, we created a few chances. It wasn't great. Um, and again, we conceded at a set piece, which is disappointing. Yeah, so... Moving on from that, then, Nathaniel, what do you think we learned from the game? Then, take what what have we taken away from the Fulham game um, to be able to improve? Uh, well, I think maybe one thing we've learned is that, like last season, we performed better away from home. I mean, I think against a you know a newly relegated side that spent well their squads like 150 million worth compared to yeah, ours, which is just peanuts. We played much better against them than Derby, who were, you know, uh, right even there. they should be signing worse players than us with their financial situation. So uh, maybe we, we will perform better away from home. But um, I don't know whether we've learnt a huge amount, usually from defeat you can, but because it was a, a game perhaps we were expecting to lose, I'm not sure whether McCann will be much the wiser. Um, especially as we kept we, we conceded from another set piece, so I think maybe really uh, working on the the training ground to improve those is something yeah, we so should aim for. That's three now in two games, isn't it? Not three, um, not three and three games. It was yeah, three and three and three games, isn't it? We had the two against um, 
Someone help me out. Someone help me out. QPR. QPR. And then we had the, the one against Marco Silva. I don't know about you guys, but I remember Marco Silva when he was our manager. We tend to concede set pieces all the time. Zona marking. Yeah. To be. I have nightmares about Zona marking. <laughs> exactly. And it just happens to me. As soon as he comes back to us, he goes, I'll just stick one past him. Same old old, going to concede again. Um, hmm. <laughs> nothing's changed. Marco Silva's on board and someone's conceding a set piece. So I'll, I'll ask this question to everyone. I'll join in with this one. Um, who, who, who stood out the most here on, on Saturday? Because I'm you, Will. Hmm. Uh, that's a tough one I've not seen him play before so for me I thought Deshaun Bernard stood out he, I thought he had a really good game although he didn't win all his aerial battles and win every duel with Mitrovic Mitrovic is really good at what he does in terms of holding off players, yeah, rolling players um, and he'll do that to some of the best in the game um, you saw it last season in the Premier League when he was with Fulham and he might not have always got the end product but in terms of holding the ball up and keeping players away from him he did it brilliantly and Deshaun Bernard didn't seem to step away from it at all he wanted to engage every single time um, and for me he, he stood out and if that's how he's going to be in game one against probably one of the best strikers a striker who's going to be up there in, in terms of top goal scorers this season I'm very happy to say that he's, our, he's outstanding or could potentially push for the first team spot so I was, I was really impressed with Deshaun Bernard Greg Doherty. Greg Doherty. I thought the opposite. But I thought he was one of the best players on the pitch. The thing is, is, is his his ability to to, to realise when a game's going wrong and to take the game by the scruff of its neck and try and single-handedly change the outcome of the game is something that he does very well. Um, I think he's missing Honeyman. I think he's trying to find his role without Honeyman. Um, so he's kind of um, dipping between defensive roles and... and more attacking roles and, and doing box-to-box. So, he's trying to do it all. Um, so, maybe in the first few games, he sort of found a little bit of inconsistency because he's still trying to find his role in that side yeah. of that honeymoon. But to, to me, he was just, he was outstanding. His work ethic, he didn't he didn't stop running all day. He chased everything down. He was pressing. He was leading by example. It was just, it was one of those performances where he he performed the way that he wanted everybody else to do it. He was lead, it was literally a lead by example performance, and and that's I think the main thing. When you go to a team like Fulham, you need to really show that you're all in it together and and, and try and literally just run your socks off for the for, for the side. Even if you know you're going to lose to the better quarter at the end of the day, at least you you gone there and contested, which was the important thing. I think this is one of the things that I love about football the most is because you can have two people who, who mean you get me and you get on really well in terms of football, and we can have two completely different views in terms of how somebody's performed on the pitch. Because for me, Greg Doherty was one of the gaps for us. Although I, I totally love the fact that he wants to press a player and he wants to get the game by the scruff of the neck, but you can only do that if, if the other 10 men around you are doing it, or sorry, the other nine outfield players are doing it. And if you don't do that, it's often like that guy at five side who's just running around after everyone. And it's just crazy. Yeah, you can't press by yourself. Exactly. Yeah. But again, it's an amazing quality to have, and it's something that we want in our team. But him and Honeyman complimented each other last season because with them both being box-to-box midfielders, one both up and the one both down at the same time, there was always someone filling in and sitting in with that C- that CDM. And I think we've missed that this season so far. What about um, you, Nathaniel? Who, who's your star player? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go with Bernard. I think he sounded quite good. And, uh, it looks like, uh, you know, although we've got these young centre-backs there, they're dealing with the physical challenge of the championship so far, perhaps. Um, but it's just the, uh, kind of the maybe the marking and that sort of thing that's let us down. 
yeah. so far. But I think, yeah, I mean, one of the players has had a lot of criticism recently and will probably continue throughout the rest of his whole whole city career is Smallwood. So maybe if Bernard's doing really well, maybe it'll be like last season where you put Bernard in, but you can't drop Jones. Maybe Jones will go defensive midfield again. That's an option. And yeah. um, I, I'm confident in McCann that uh, although it's not been a, an amazing start, we have a lot of options, especially in midfield. So we should be able to find... I know we've got lots. So um, we should be able to find um, kind of that right solution in midfield because there are, you know, different players. And you're saying, you know, maybe Doherty's not found his role yet. But uh, I think that's perhaps true of a few of these players. And um it's uh, a new squad who have signed a lot of players and a lot of uh, come in when they perhaps didn't expect to for injuries. So um, exactly. I'm still confident that they can uh, kind of gel together. And But I think the international break uh, can't come soon enough. I think we need need just a little bit of time to work with the squad and these new signings and bed them in properly. Well, reality's kicked in, hasn't it? We've we've realised that it's not going to be a walk in the park like it was last year. I don't, I don't think we was naive enough to go into the season thinking that, but... I think a lot of people got <coughs> overconfident because of the cresting game and thought, oh, yeah. we can beat this team so easily. Mm. Well, obviously, the Champions are going to be a breeze for game or a newly promoted side. I mean, yeah. it's, did you have a star player on, on Saturday, Will? It probably was uh, Deshaun Bernard. Um, I think Doherty had a good game as well, personally. Um, but I agree on the defence. He, he had a really good showing. From what we got, um, and it could be, it creates a good bit of competition in the defence, which we might be very necessary going forward to try and yeah, get that needed. I tell you what's what's a weird one, what we haven't mentioned, and you kind of feel like you can't really mention it because we'd have got beat anyway. But the first goal, it's a free kick. It is. It's a free kick, plain as day. Um, I don't think I've seen a body check like that ever. Yeah, I mean, you can see that uh, whoever it was, the Fulham defender who's gone up for the corner, deliberately moves into Greaves' path. Maybe you could argue that he needs to be strong enough, but uh, Greaves, but, you know, it's it's a foul. Um, In modern football, that is a foul. It may not be a foul. If if Greaves runs through the guy who blocks him off, it's probably a penalty the other way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, it it's, it's a lose-lose it? situation there, isn't it? But we, we move on anyway. Uh, so we're currently four games into the championship. Um, we're seeing Fulham at the top of the league, um, as we expected. Um, but for yourself, Will, um, does anything anything stand out in terms of any shocks or all like that? Um, probably that Sheffield United are... I mean, maybe it shouldn't be a shock, but Sheffield United are doing as poorly maybe yeah. as they are at the moment. And I thought, I think most people, I think we expect them to be them, West Brom and Fulham near the top, you know, fighting for it because of the. But 23rd, I mean, one point so far from the four games, there's still. It's like they haven't left the Premier League almost. They are in free fall as it stands. I mean, if only we could carry on our form from the league losing, but the yeah, yeah. it's a lot easier to keep losing than it is to keep winning. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. I agree. They say you learn more from losing, but obviously not at this moment in time. Um, we're not doing it, and neither are they. Um, so you, you've briefly touched on who's underperforming there, and who do you think's overperforming in the championship so far? Um, for me personally, I I don't think they are overperforming, but to a lot they are. 
um, QPR, I think. Um, you know, I, I can't understand why, but a lot of like our fans, for example, in the game expected them to be not as good as they are, or expected ah, us to be. I fully expected them to be a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, that was before we played them as well. The vast majority would would predict for them a solid top six team, um, yeah. and I think that that kind of label and that kind of pressure can sometimes, um, I don't know, hamper teams before they start. But but they seem to have really they look solid, they look decent, they look good going forward. They've got a lot of good players. I mean, we we played really well against QPR and they managed to beat us three 0 You know, they've got some good um, they've got some good set piece routines. They've got some streetwise players. They know what they're doing, um, and I just think that. You know they're they're going to be a team that's up and in the mix, and for, from what the, the the general premise that I get from a lot of people is that they didn't expect them to be up there. I mean, personally, I did, but um, I hadn't predicted it. My, my preseason, I had them in, I had them in the playoffs. There was a great thing back end of last season. Other teams up there. Um, other teams up there. I think Coventry's a bit of a surprise. Yeah, um, I was going to mention them. They've had a great start to the season. They've been a a good team late on in the games, scoring a few late injury time mm-hmm. winners. It's, it's a never say die attitude. And it's again one of those teams, a bit like Barnsley last year. You know, nobody expects them to be there or thereabouts. I and mean, we're only four days in. It's easy to say Coventry are, are underperforming because anything can happen. As we saw the season, we got relegated. You know, we was, we was up there fighting, and then we lost Bowen and Grasicki, and then all of a sudden. We free fall and plummet quicker than. Well, I don't want to use a reference, but um, it, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, what was your preseason predictions, Nathaniel? And do you think you want to change anything now? Uh, well, I mean, regarding City, I think nineteenth. Uh, I said um, for us, and I think if we get our better players back from injury, then yeah, we could push towards that. I think QPR, although a lot of people have said they're dark horses, but they're not. They're just a good team, and a lot of people yeah. know they are. They're doing just as well as I thought they would. I mean, uh, maybe uh, well, Huddersfield uh, started really badly, and then they've had two good results. So, I mean, it is extremely early. I think I might have said Nottingham Forest were going to be higher, <laughs> and I mean, Chris Hutton uh, is a great manager um, at, at Championship level, but. Um, they were started terribly. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, they never, but, really, never really stood out, did they? They never really stood out last season. Mm. Um, again, Nottingham Forest stand out for me massively, as the Chef United. And for in terms of Coventry, again, that was another one that, that kind of stood out for me. But where do you see us getting our points from? Now, we've played a couple of games. I'd like to think we played against a team that we thought was going to be near the bottom in Derby, um, teams that we thought were going to be near the top in terms of Fulham and QPR. And then Preston, who we fought on mid-table. Well, I personally think we dominated Preston, and they couldn't get near us. We did. I don't think it, you could argue the toss whether it would be uh, a mixture between a brilliant whole city performance and a poor Preston one. But you can only play the team that's in front of you. As for Derby and QPR, I mean, you couldn't have got two favourite away. You couldn't have got two favourite away um, performances, but still lose a game. So, who do you think we're going to get the points off after seeing who's getting points where at the moment? That's unlikely to be against Bournemouth. <laughs> I mean, but, I mean, maybe yeah. uh, they did draw to Blackpool, so it's I not think like the, the teams we want to be looking at are the teams that came up with us, so obviously like Peterborough and Blackpool, and mm-hmm. a few of those sides who have been in the Championship for a while and have kind of not stagnated, but they've kind of just sort of. I think that word exactly for a while. 
a lot of Preston fans will say that. I think you'd like to put the likes of Millwall, um, Coventry before seeing that they're the fourth in the <laughs> league, um, Luton. You know, teams like although yeah. Luton seem to be a good home team, you know, those are the sort of teams where on paper you'd think there's a chance here to get some points. Even Blackburn, you yeah. know, you'd, you'd probably throw them in the mix as well. So there's, I think there's a lot of opportunity to get some um, some points out there, and I don't know about you, but I can't look past the Preston performance and know full well that. We've got it in the we've got it in the tank. We know it's there. We know we can do it. It's just about making things tick on the day, or have we been found out already? That's we shouldn't forget forward. just how good a performance that was. I mean, we scored four goals away from home against a you know. Although Preston fans will say that they're not happy with their board and their manager at the moment, <coughs> that you know they are an established Championship side. Um, but I just looking at our fixtures, we've got Bournemouth, Blackburn, which we might have a chance at, and then we've got Swansea and Sheffield United. So. The games don't really get any easier on paper quite soon, but so I think we might need to pull off a shock result soon. Otherwise, mm-hmm. the pressure on McCann is just going to mount and mount. To be fair, Swansea aren't where you expect them to be either. They're no. down in the bottom half of the table. So four points they're all, four games. They're just a solid team, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the think... that? Blackpen first game, didn't they? Away, sorry. Away. Oh, right. Yeah, they were pretty rubbish there. Just kept giving the ball 72% away. 72% possession doesn't make you rubbish, though, does it? I know you've still got to do mm-hmm. something with the ball, but to keep yeah. it for that amount of time during a game, it's, it's not easy against a, a team that's mm-hmm. in the same league as you, that's for sure. I think the thing with City at the moment is because of those injuries to key players, we don't really know what City are like at this point, truthfully. Yeah. And we won't really know for a few more games exactly what our squad's capable of, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. going to say. You, you aim when you want to stay in a division. You want you want your home form to be what keeps you up. Um, obviously, we're only four games in the season. We've only played two home, two away. So you can't really predict. Well, you can't safely say how we're performing in each each mm-hmm. aspect. But we've we've looked concerning at home for me. Other than the QPR game, obviously. But we, I mean, we lost three nil. Is is the main thing there? Yeah. Um, yeah. But we, we we played so poor against Derby. And I mean, I know that Derby will have this strong sense of togetherness and, you know, that, that like similar to what we did when we started that Premier League season under, under Phelan when Bruce left and you got a very thin squad and mm-hmm. everyone's yeah. given everything um, for the cause kind of thing. Um, it's it's important. It really is. I think where we started to trip up under that with Mike Phelan was we, we all kind of thought, well, Although we've only got 11 players, everyone's fighting hard for the cause. And then one by one, he started to sign new players. And these players didn't even have time to gel. They just came straight into the squad. So you saw the likes of Eldon Yakipovic was dropped. And Steve Harper. Steve Harper, yes. Was it Steve Harper? David Marshall. The, 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 Marshall, the, David Marshall worst five million well. we've ever spent. Honestly, we, you, you, um, and then you, we, you see yeah. like, it, it just didn't make sense. And I we can't didn't have a right back. We spent yeah. five million to replace an already great goalkeeper, uh, rather than not rather than signing a right back when we didn't have any. It was really poor business. And Will Keane as well. I would, I would say he's maybe good. the second worst five million pound signing we've made behind old Jimmy Bullard. But yeah, that's a different topic for a different day. And for me, I'm a big Jimmy yeah. Bullard fan, so despite <laughs> what he did to the club, um, but it, I think we played David Maller at right back, didn't we? We will do left back, yeah. Some one of them, yeah, so... yeah. And Livermore centre back, it was a hodgepodge team, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that now. I have to remember. Apparently, that was, I don't know if you did we see the 
did we all see the clip on David Marshall on the podcast? Not David, David Marlow on the podcast. Remember yeah, it's been blown way out of proportion. They, they were asking him a question about if they've ever seen a player down tools in training and refuse to train and cause such an upset that they have to leave kind of thing. Whereas Miley was was getting probed to give an example yeah. that he knew a few. And I think he, he mentioned Livermore, but the, the example he gave wasn't a player downing tools and giving up and saying, I'm not playing for this team anymore. It was Livermore having a hissy fit because in the training session they had a, a, a striker yeah, that he was marking was offside and Silver let it go on so the guy could score and have a, have a pop at shooting. And Livermore was furious that he wasn't given an offside and booted the ball away. And then a few days later left for West Brom. But that deal was probably already in the pipeline anyway. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I don't think that was an accurate um, example. No, it's amazing how you can take one clip and put it together and make it look like um, you bad mouth someone else. Well. Yeah. So people just didn't, people didn't listen to it properly. I don't think if you actually watch yeah. it back, it's, 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 it's you know, he don't, don't mention Livermore at all during the point where yeah. he's talking about. He doesn't say Livermore refused to play for City and just stopped training yeah. and whatever. Mm-hmm. He just said he had a pity fix. Someone was offside. That's literally it. <laughs> so this next part I'm really excited for. It is time for the new Pineal podcast, which is called Ants Rant. This is an interesting one. This is where Ant picks up on something that's particularly pissed him off during the week. And he's going to tell us all about it. And he's not, probably not going to hold back. So, <laughs> without any further ado, Ant, take the dance floor, mate. Go for it. I mean, it's just, it's one of them, minute. Like, I think, because I've been following City since, like, you know, the, the early noughties, like 1999 era. Yeah. A lot of us, there's a lot of generations of this, this, this club's supporters that... I've seen how bad it can be, and I, I've not seen the worst by any stretch of the imagination. In, in fact, I've I've seen a steady incline, and um, probably the back end of the championship slash relegation to League One last time out was probably the worst yeah. worst bit about it. But I think expectations amongst the fan base get a bit over the top. Like you know, we yes, we've had some good years in the Premier League. Yes, we've been a top top-end championship team for a few years. But in the grand scheme of things, that's not who we are. It's not our level, um, especially not at the moment. You know, we're under a new club model. With a, a club like City is never going to be able to to splash millions of pounds on players, especially not in the situation we're in where, you know, we're, we're trying to... Like, it's got to be a happy medium. We want the owners to leave. But in order to do that, they need to recoup their loan. So do you want them to carry spending on money and stay in here? Or do you want them to, to be a bit more financially savvy, make that money back, and then they're off? Do you know what I mean? You've, 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 got to, you've got to find that middle ground and that's what we're doing. Um, you know, we're, sold, we're, we're a club now that, that builds talent, sells it on for a lot of money. Jared Bowen, King Lewis Potter will no doubt be the next one. Jacob Greaves, that's what we're doing. We're not signing um, gone players, um, mercenary players that are on big wages that we can't offload or we get rid of for free because no one can buy them. Our level is lower half championship personally. In my opinion, I don't know about anybody else. I think at our, our, our club level is probably mid-table championship towards the lower end. That's that's, that's where we're at. Yeah, and it's that's where we're at. Yeah, that's where yeah, we're yeah. at. So what what kind of happened was we we probably climbed up from Division Three to then old League One. I mean to the new League One um, into the Championship, and we found ourselves floating in there for a couple of uh, three four seasons before we then. You know, had a great run of form and took ourselves up to the Premier League, and we tried to compete. We did because we had the funding going into the Premier League. You get the money, you can go up to the you can go up to the, the Premier League and start buying players that you want to try and improve your game and make yourself more established. 
unfortunately, that doesn't always work out, whether it be bad decisions made off the pitch or bad decisions made on the pitch, and you find yourself relegated, which we did. Again, you're funded again, you get the parachute payments. These are what keep you alive to, for maybe where you've overcompensated in the past in the Premier League to keep wage bills going, etc. With that money, we was able to go back up again, and it became a bit like a, an up-and-down race. Um, but as that funding kind of stopped, you then find yourself slipping down, as we did, with a couple of bad decisions off the pitch again. We found ourselves in League One. But I think the main thing you're trying to get out of here, Ant, is as a fan base, we just need to manage our expectations a little bit better. Because yeah. it's so easy best, to take the, the best way to if... social media and just rant about a player. And, and don't get me wrong, social media is a safe place to be able to throw your thoughts out there. And maybe someone might might want to join in or disagree with you, etc. But just manage your expectations a little bit better because all you all you're doing is if if you've had a, if if you've been to a game you've watched a bad performance the last thing you want to see is just everyone rah, 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 pulling it to pieces and just pulling all the names to shame you don't want to see that but uh, sorry and I interrupted you didn't I? <laughs> no don't worry I mean yeah. the most frustrating aspect of it is is we've seen what happens when this club's all going in the same direction when the fan base the owners the players when everyone's on the same page you think the Pe- Peter Taylor era onwards 100 yeah um the whole club we we knew what we were. We did what we did and we loved it. We enjoyed the journey. Um, I think the issue with success for, for you know, maybe a, a decade or so means that you're going to have a generation of fans that have only known success, which means that when you get to periods of, of our club's history like we are right now, those people who saw the Premier League days, saw us signing the likes of Huddleston, Shane Long, Nikita Jelovic, they, they want that again and they can't understand why we, we are where we are. When realistically, yeah. the the older generation of fans, or you know, the the ones from the nineties onwards, understand that we sort of we've had our little time. We tried to mix it up with the big boys. We haven't got the same recruitment um, facilities or the scouting network that some of the bigger Training clubs have. Ground. So we couldn't, we, yeah, we couldn't recruit the kind of player to keep us in the Premier League. I don't think. Catchment area as well. Nobody wants to yeah. live in the lure, the lure of City as a club. We're not, we're not very fashionable. So you know, you're not going to sign some of the top class players because the, you know we haven't got the best training facilities compared to other Premier League or top Championship clubs we haven't got um, you know a, a, a city that thrives you know we haven't got the kind of like that you see in Manchester and Leeds and their financial yeah. districts and stuff we're more of a historic traditional city um, so you've got you've got to factor all that in and all it is really is that I'm getting at is that there's, there's a fractured sort of disjoint argumentative side to City fans at the moment which is just it's counterproductive to what we want to achieve like you want to be successful and you want to support your team but then you're also slating them at every chance you get and you're arguing with fans who defend them and then vice versa and it's it's tit for tat on both sides like everybody's as bad as each other I've done it I've called people out on negativity I've been negative in the past and the fact that when you look back at it and see you know see where we are and and what we've done you you, you feel quite silly about it so I've made the conscious effort to be a bit more um, savvy in the way I see a game or you know reflect back on something and, and, and try and look at the bigger picture like running four games into the season for example stuff like that a lot of that comes down to empathy and empathy plays a big part in being able to manage expectations because once you're able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes or understand somebody else's point of view it makes discussing things a hell of a lot easier and it means you can get on the same wavelength as others I'm going to, I'm going to briefly touch on this because I think a lot of this has stemmed back from the moment Alan Out started the moment Alan Out started, that's when the fan base really became divided. Because you found those at the beginning that really just went 100%, I hate the Alums, I am not going anymore. And those that took a little bit longer to maybe detest the Alums. And that's where the divides always come. I mean, it happened to me and my mates. I didn't want to go protest because I don't protest for something I don't believe in. 
And yeah. as time's gone on, I've then started to agree with my old mates, and they probably sort of like it than me. Do yeah. I go, oh, well done, you sort it first? But it, it is what it is in that aspect. But I, well, we could go on about the alum out for yeah. hours and hours. Unfortunately, we won't, we won't see a club unified until they leave. It is, yeah, because obviously yeah. I, I'm, I'm not a fan of what they did. Like, I boycotted myself for a few years. I, I bought a membership. I know I've not attended a home game yet, but I bought a membership <laughs> this season. Trying, I fully intend to come back um, when work allows. But it's it's one of these things like, all right, we tried boycotting. We tried staying away. We tried protesting. We tried chanting. You know, they're still here. I know that exactly. they've, they've, they've gone against a lot of the things that they said and I can fully understand. I, like, I'm not a fan of them myself. I, I, did, I really didn't like what they did, you know, some of the things they said. But it's a case now where we've got a team that we can be proud of, we've got a lot of local lads and the old cliche, support the team, not the regime. That's what we should be now. You know, last oh, season proved that. that we've got a side that's worth supporting yeah. and rather than staying away and it really having no effect, like the alarms don't care. If you're staying, if you're staying at home, Ehab don't care. If you go into the stadium, the players care, and that's and that's literally. And the, if they do the care, they've got a funny way of showing, aren't they? They've got a really weird way of showing that they care. And as far as we're all concerned, I think we're all in the same boat. Is they're happy to just get the money back and then and then leave, hopefully sell for a profit. Um, but <laughs> I just, you mentioned about the the, the fan base. Um, We've all grown up, especially the newer fans at the moment. I say newer, like I'm not one of the new ones. It's 18 years now, but. We've all seen success. I mean, from me, I, I all I've seen is from Division Three all the way up to the Premier League, to then hitting European football and FA Cup finals and stuff like that. And now we're back down in League One and back up to the Championship. And unless you're level-headed, you're going to see that as a bit of a negative. And where we can correlate is because we're not a big club, we see other people in our local area support the big clubs like your Manchester United and Arsenal's. Now I'm seeing similar people the same age as me who grew up supporting Arsenal, the Invincibles. And now they're on that same boat as us, where they're going, this ain't all winning all the time. And the then same with Manchester United, the treble in 99. Yeah, I don't like being compared to Arsenal fans. <laughs> no, yeah, you, you know what I mean, though, in terms of they had that winning yeah. feeling, all we've seen is success, yeah. and now they yeah. don't have that anymore. And It is very easy to get carried away, is, is the bottom line of it. I mean, it, 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 like I said, it all comes down to what you're used to as a fan. Like, you're not going to accept any level below what you started watching them kind of thing, unless you, you know... Um, wise enough to understand the full history of the team and, and look at it and, and see our levels and whatnot. It's like I remember playing, well, I remember trying to to see past people at Boothbury Park because I was that small yeah. and playing Kettering Town and Rushton Diamonds in, at Boothbury Park. People can't so, hold you up all game, can they? So. You know, yeah, and then going to the Emirates and beating Arsenal 2-1 was something of like, you know, it was a fairy tale and, and it's, it's, it's sad that that 07-8 season really was probably the last time that the club was fully unified and, and just enjoying everything that yeah. happened. Like you think of the, the second half of that Premier League season in 07-8 was woeful, but we still we stuck behind the team. We were all yeah, still yeah. there and we were all still cheered. That and that's the kind of perspective right. you need. That four three one two was it was brilliant. Um, yeah. But that 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 kind of wraps up Ant's rant. Um, he's got some off his chest now, and I have no <laughs> doubt next week he's going to. I just want us all to be friends. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully next week he brings something else to the table and gives us something else like a a sore subject to talk about. I'll find something. So one of the things I wanted to discuss with everyone is we are struggling a little bit at the moment and when you're struggling and the transfer window's open, one of the best things you can do is delve into the market. So I'm going to put the, the question to yourself first. Uh, Will, 
is Tyler Smith the right man? Um, oh, here we go. This is it, this is uh, this is what's been ticking out all week. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say yes because he's different, and we're not going to spend money. And that's the reason why, essentially, because the way that, like, as Anna's already said about our our business, the way that we do it at the moment, we're not going to get we're not going to get anyone on decent wages, and we're not going to get anyone who's like of a big name really because they're going to cost money or cost wages. So I think going for someone who's a bit younger, it fits in with the ethos of the team. Going for someone who's got a bit who's different from our other strikers, which is what we needed. Um, I think it's a good idea. I understand people being a bit like, oh, I've never heard of him or I don't like uh, when there's other options available, which is fair enough. But I'm willing to give him a chance. And I, I'm a bit annoyed that people do seem to be like, he's not played a minute, I don't like him. I know not everyone's like that. There's a few people who've been like that. But I'm willing to give him a chance if it is him anyway. It might not even be Tyler Smith who comes in, let's be honest. But Well, he's it's, it's heavily yeah. linked today. And... I think Derby game that would just give us a completely different view, wouldn't it? If, if for instance, we've got Josh McGuinness all game battling with the likes of Curtis Davis and um, Phil Jagielka, you bring this guy on to maybe make him think different, give him a yard because mm-hmm. they think they're going to get outpaced. It opens up the game completely and they drop off a yard. And in football, that yard in between the defence and the midfield is massive. And if you can create a yard in there, you've got so much more wet place to wet, so much more space to play in. So that could have given us a completely different completely different approach to the game for a second half or an impact sub or something like that but um, and obviously you remember the, the good days and the the good times we had in the Premier League one of the players we who was a fan's favourite was was Kamil Grosicki we've just seen him sign for I can't remember the name of the Polish side but yeah he's just signed for a team in his, in his home country that's the one and I wasn't going to I wasn't going to be able to pronounce that tonight that's fair enough but we've just seen him sign for them and I can imagine it's not on the best wages. They're not a household name. Have we missed? Have we missed out there? Personally, no. The thing, the thing was with I, I, I probably the thing is, is people like you know, when you said that people view things differently in football. Mm. I liked Grisicki, um, but I just felt like we never ever saw a consistently great Camel no. Grisicki. I think he had like one good game and then he'd be a passenger for five or six and it was really frustrating because if he played to his full potential every game, he'd be one of the best players in the league. Um, I think at his current age, his work oh, rate, I don't think he fits our current you know, high-press system. You've got to work hard. You've got to be up and down that line. If we had Grisicki out on the left-hand side instead of Lewis Potter, who's been you know, supporting Elder, for example... Grisicki wouldn't do that and we'd be no. found out a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think that that's the kind of player that we need to be signing personally. What yeah, I would say real quickly, actually, is the, on the old thing of him going to Sechin, that is his hometown club. Oh, it's so it is, yeah. So I, I think it's a, a sensible... I, I completely understand that move straight away. Yeah. No, I agree. But again, if he was on the books... He would give us that other option up top. We played him up top a couple of times, and he did look dangerous running through the middle in terms of getting him behind, making defenders think, and sometimes just running at a centre back. Centre backs don't like to tackle; they're about out muscling and jumping. And I mean, yeah. some of them do. We saw it with James Chester; he was phenomenal. Like, but um, in terms of centre backs, not many of them like to tackle. So, but 
going on going on from there, there's there's other ex City players available at the moment, and I've mentioned one of them there in terms of James Chester, Elmo's available, um, and so is Robbie Brady, and 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 these players have have brought a lot of good times to us. And I'm going to ask you, Nathaniel, do you do you think any of them are fit enough to wear the shirt? And if they are, would you have them back? Well, I, just disregard the fact whether they're fit to wear the shirt or anything like that. I mean, we were just talking about managing expectations. We can afford young attacking players, you know, who is going to grow into something like Tyler Smith, but we cannot afford former Premier League players. So, you know, Hoggleston uh, is like a, an outlier. He, he's come back because no one else would hire him. I don't, you know, yeah, it would be great to see Grzycki or Brady playing for us or El Mohamedy, but oh, it's just not going to happen. We, we can't afford bang average players, you know, from their championship. So we can't afford these players. It'd be great to see them, but we just got to manage expectations and uh you know we we can't afford these these players so i think uh tyler smith and young players like that uh that might grow into something uh that will help you know if we get them and we can pay off the loan and the alarms leave quicker but if we sign robbie brady and he inevitably gets injured for a whole year then that's not going to help anyone i mean i really appreciate you um best my bubble there <laughs> it's, it's, it's frustrating. Like... No, I get it because you think the bigger picture, and I think a lot of people would say the same. And it's it's easy to have this view where you go, "Well, we can afford Huddleston." I bet yeah. Huddleston would have more money than that, and that's well, probably why Darby was struggling. I would imagine. Pardon? I can imagine we can only afford Huddleston. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. But realistically speaking, and if you if you used to, I don't know if you know much about the free agents that are about at the moment. I did drop a couple in the group chat last mm-hmm. night, but for me, if if we could land any of them, and I hope he's still available, would be some like Andre Wisdom. Um, yeah. I think he'd fit the bill perfectly. He's he's been around the town a bit now. He knows what the mm-hmm. dance is, especially in this league. He would he would really fill a gap and do it really well. So, I mean, what, yeah. what about you, And I think you was mentioning uh, an ex-City player in the chat last night. I'd, I'd love Chester back. I mean, the thing is, is you've got to, like like when we said before about managing expectations, and whatever, I know that there's a lot of players that we probably can't afford, but then there's all, there's probably going to be some players that want to play and mm-hmm. some clubs would be fine. Like, you, we've got to remember under embargo and we can only have a certain amount of players. So, you've got to think... You need enough cover in each position, realistically. And the, and the one position we're crying out for a bit of experience right now is centre-back. I don't want us to sign another winger or another midfielder. We're fine in that aspect. Like you got, I know we've got a few injuries in the wing, but when they all come back and we've signed another winger, like Seven they're not going to play. play are they? No. So you, you, you've wasted a squad space for a couple of games. And at the back, we know Greaves is good. We know Jones is good. Bernard showed promise. We know McLaughlin can sort of mix it up in the championship from his time last time, so we'll have a bit mm-hmm. of spine about him now. But we need a leader there. Like yeah. they need we a bit do. of streetwise. They need to learn how to be a bit rough and tumble with some of these nastier mm-hmm. championship strikers like Mitrovic. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to be able to mix it up and you know mm-hmm. drop a couple yeah. of elbows secretly now and again. And, and <laughs> I don't think our current centre backs are going to do that. But we're too honest, aren't James, we're too honest. Yeah. James Chester or Wisdom would. I, I think would, would yeah. fit the bill and, and it's players that aren't play- Wisdom's a free agent so I don't know if we can sign him I think if we sign Smith it has to be a loan doesn't it I'm not sure the, the ruling's yeah, weird I don't know what it is I think, it, I think if we sign Smith it's only a loan spot that's available so realistically you'd want to be loaning a centre-back and the, that's the only reason I suggested Chester is because obviously he's another Huddleston-esque signing he knows the club he's been here yes he's fallen out of favourite Stoke and as Will said his stock has fallen 
but Huddleston's stock had fallen. He'd not played for a year. He had yeah. had an entire season out of football. He's come back and he looks fine. Like, Stoke will want him off the books if he's not playing. And we can pay a percentage <laughs> of his wage. I know we're not going to be able to pay 100% of his wages, but we can pay what we can afford and get an experienced centre-back in there. Then all parties win, don't they? That, that, I mean, you've got to look at what's available. Like, because of the restrictions, we, we can't yeah. pick and choose what players we Biggest get. Biggest can't be choosers. From what's available. Yeah, you, you've got to choose from the best of the pool that we've got. Mm. And that's not very... Large pools, pool. the, the talent pool's not the best, and I think in, yeah. a, in an ideal world, I think there's a few city fans out there that probably agree with me. And it's not going to happen, let's be realistic. But there's some ex city players out there, and if we could drag the likes of David Marler back out of retirement, <laughs> um, we know Robbie Brady's available, Elmo's available, Chester's available. What a, what a year to be back alive that'd be! Um, that would be lovely, wouldn't it? Even like if we finish down, bottom. <laughs> it would be phenomenal, but that 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 um that kind of wrap, wraps up the, the the signings that I wanted to talk about there. Um, unless you guys have got anything you want to add to there in terms of no, on the Tyler Smith thing again about people being uh he's not played. When we signed Chester, when we signed players like Dudgeon and Brady and players like that, they were all players who came from youth teams who had barely played. Harry Wilson. Fraser Campbell. Mm. Lots, lots, just lots. You could make lots of examples. Players come through in the last like decade and decade and a half, who are players who have been at bigger clubs and had any virtually no experience come through, and they become great players for us. I did want to add on to the Smith as well, to be fair, because it's. Mm-hmm. Everyone's crying out for a different kind of striker. We all know we, yeah. we've got Eves and McGinnis, who are who are very similar kind of strikers. The big target men that we want to hold it up. If you want to be able to change the system or change the formation or have a plan B, you need a different kind of striker. And as we mm-hmm. said, the current pool that we can pick from is very limited. So yeah. if we want to sign a player that's going to be worth more than what they currently are now, it needs to be a mm-hmm. young player. And the the best way to judge a player is by the ex-fans, so the, the, the fans mm-hmm. of teams that he's played for, and he's had positive results at every single team he's been at. Yes, he's not mm-hmm. a prolific goal scorer, but sometimes that's not everything. Like, they're not Aaron that McLean. big. There's still, yeah, there's, still, there's still stuff to learn. There's still stuff to to adapt. And if all of the, the positive um, feedback we've had from him is true, then we can. We've, we've got another player there to switch to a four-four-two and maybe get the best out of Eves in it. it it's what they bring to the team, more or less, just their own statistics. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we might see a yeah, more positive and more versatile city from signing this player. And I can't understand why you'd even be negative about it. If we'd have signed Jim, like Jacob Greaves, say he wasn't our player and he was a Cheltenham player, because yeah. uh, obviously that's when he was on loan in League Two. And then we yeah. signed him last season and he had the season he had. Would people have still criticised him saying, oh, he was signing League Two players? Yeah, yeah. You, know, you, you, know make I mean? a, you make a valid point there, really. Good yeah, point. you've got you've got you've got players that Jamie Vardy <coughs> from the non-league, and look at him—he's a Premier League superstar. I think what it, it comes down to—I uh, don't know if you guys agree with me again—but Alex Ferguson was probably one of the, still known as one of the best managers ever, um, and he made a really good point about Wayne Rooney before in terms of he hadn't scored for eight games, and the fans were telling him to drop him, drop him, drop him, drop him. It might be eight games, it might be seven games, but he basically said in his press conference, because I don't, unless he doesn't score for nine games, I'm not dropping him. 
next game he scores an hat-trick. You know, and hmm. that's I'm not saying he can write the future or anything like that, but you can't you kinda gotta give people time to gel because you've got to improve people's muscle muscle memory, instincts, used to being around the same people, and that, that sort of stuff doesn't come easily, which is why I find it a little bit unfair to give the likes of Tom Eve's um criticism. Maybe. <laughs> right, so that that kind of moves on to the last part. Now I wanna I wanna kinda of recap uh, not not recap, sorry, I wanna Wind up now and finish off by previewing the Bournemouth game. Um, the Bournemouth game itself, for me, is going to be a tough one. You know, they've, mm. they've, they've scored two goals every game this season. They've got a very young squad. I was looking at the squad today, actually, um, in, in, in build-up to this, and I think their average squad is something like 23 years old for every line of the bad so far. Yeah, it, it's got to be because I feel like centre backs nineteen, centre mids are twenty. I think the oldest player they've got in every every game so far has been like a thirty year old, but he's the only one. The rest are all like 23, I mean, 24. They have just signed Gary Cahill as well. That's going to bring yeah, it up. That's going to bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they've got a really young squad. They're hard to beat, and you know, with young teams, we all know they're exciting to watch. And with the likes of um, Scott Parker, we know exactly what to expect from him. He, he, he generated exciting football, didn't he? So, um, what's, what's your thoughts? What, what do you think is going to happen? Not so much a, a scoreline, but what do you think is going to happen, Will? How do you see the game panning out? I think it's going to be similar to the Fulham game. I think it's going to be... Bournemouth are going to be probably more... Have more of the ball, have a bit more control of the game. Mm-hmm. And City are going to have to sort of weather the storm a little bit. And trying to get them on the break and get try and make make them make mistakes. Um, it's going to be a tough game. It won't be as tough as Fulham, but it's definitely going to be one of the trickiest games of the season um, right, overall. Right, right. So mm-hmm. I don't know score wise, but it's going to be a tough one. We'll hold off on the score for the night for the time being. <laughs> Thank God. Well, uh, peaking too early, mate. Peaking too early. But no, we're playing at home, aren't we? We haven't had the best time at home already, so mm. it does look like it's going to be a difficult game. I mean, for you, Ant, does anybody get dropped? Who, who, who loses a spot after the performance on Saturday? Um, I don't think I would. Um, if 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 you had to pick one, I'd probably maybe give Eves a game. Um, just because. Are you okay, Ant. Yeah, no, uh, that's not like me, is it? But um, I, I don't think the team played bad. I don't think anyone merits dropping. Um, like a lot of people are probably calling for, for Ingram's head. Um, I mean, Ingram, yes, he's made a couple of mistakes that have led to us conceding and therefore losing. But for the rest of the game, like his superb Solid. performance and his saves have all been ignored for some reason. Yeah. That's the life of a keeper, isn't it? A mistake usually is very, very costly and that's what people judge you on. But... I we think he's played fine. We completely forget that the ball's just come through ten other players first as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Eves is chomping at the bit to have a have, have a go, and I think um, it'd be a very risky move move to do it. But I think McGinnis, um is struggling for um, supply at the moment. Like we, we we keep hoofing it long, and I think Eves is better at winning headers than McGinnis is. And mm-hmm. Eves is also more mobile than McGinnis is. So if we are yeah. wanting for some reason to start playing hoofball this season, then Eves is a better option to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, no one really merits dropping. Like I'd be quite happy for McGinnis to start again. Uh, it's just, yeah. you know, it's it's we, we have played well, but we're very good on the counter. So we'll play better against Bournemouth than what we will against Derby because 
we don't like to break defensive teams down. That's not yeah, our David, forte. That's not what we Darby like to wasn't deep last year. Derby wasn't deep though. Derby was a lot higher than we were. And there wasn't no, they were. But then when it got when it when it came to the crunch time towards the end of the game where we were chasing it and needed a goal <laughs> and just pretty much put eleven players at the back, we just never looked yeah. like scoring, did we? And it, it, it's yeah. the likes of Fulham where they're going to commit players and, and Bournemouth where they're going to commit players forwards, and then we've got players like Lewis Potter to, and Williams yeah, who looks. Who I think looks very good and for some reason is also getting a, a bit of flack. Um, I think they look very pacey and very dangerous on the counter. So that'd be my approach: just absorb the pressure and try and hit them on the break. I think the thing for me is I just want McGinnis to try and stay onside a little bit more. I'm happy with yeah, he has, I'm, he happy, been a few times. I'm happy with some part of the work yeah. I think he puts in. But uh, just yeah, I know this. The difference in people criticising him for being offside compared to criticising Eve for being offside is yeah. quite. Amazing because it's yeah. there's a massive yeah, difference if, in the number of do it. If it was Eve playing for the last two games, he'd have been crucified. Oh yeah, so, doing the exact same I'd, be for his, I'd fear for his well-being if Eve had <laughs> been playing. Yeah, I mean, look, I I like him. I just don't know whether he's cut out for the championship. But I think if we were going to change a striker, uh, I'd bring in Tyler Smith because I mean, if we're saying we're going to be playing on the counter. And, He's, you know, he's the plan B, and plan A isn't working. So maybe just before the game, put him in. I don't think that will happen. I'm not. I think the the side might be the same, except Jones might come back in if he's fit. He might be. I think Thursday or Friday, back in training. I think McCann said. But yeah, I think you keep the side dip, uh, the same. I just think they've got to change the way they play. We've been lumping it to McGinnis more, and I don't think he's as good as that. I don't think the solution is put on Eves to make that work. I think the solution is change the way we're playing or we'll just go back yeah, to how to, we did last year we need to, yeah we need to go, go back to what we do best and putting the ball exactly. on the deck and playing it about but I think teams are, are fathomed out quite early that we like to play That's out from the back do. and they do press yeah. high and it, it results in us having to hit it long um, mm. we just need to find a way around it exactly um, I think we've been a little bit un- unlucky in terms of teams finding out, find us out and with the wide men, they're having to adapt the game. We saw last season a lot of the time mm. they didn't have many defensive duties, and now they've got these defensive duties. They if do. we do play along, and the one time it does stick with McGinnis, there's no support for him. There's no support because the, yeah, the wing, yeah. the wing back, the wingers are already there back helping, and you're asking yeah. a hell of a lot from a winger to be able to come up and down, up and down all game. So yeah. it's why you need to be slightly better at holding the ball up. So rather than flicking it off, flick or on, playing yeah. it straight out, we need to be holding the ball, bringing the midfield into it, and then playing it over the top, which is. I think something we'll probably learn to do in the next few games because they need mm. to adapt. We have to adapt. Yeah. It's simple as that. So I'll round up now. Then, in terms of predictions, then, well, what are you, what are you thinking? Scoreline and give me a fair score, score if you've got enough. Heart or head? <laughs> it just whatever you think's best. If you, if let's say, if you used to put money on it, right? I would never bet on City for a start. Or, um. Uh. I'm gonna be positive. I'm gonna say one nil City because even though that's your heart speaking, that is my heart speaking. It doesn't gamble um, that often. I'll be very happy with a draw. Mm. Who's scoring? Who's scoring? Oh, uh, Eves. Yeah. <laughs> so is it eight and a half minute then? Is it? Yeah. Don't Absolutely. bet that. <laughs> what about you, Ant? Who are you going for? Who's, who's scoring first, and what's the score? Um, I think. I think this will be our first draw of the season. I think we'll draw one-one. I think they'll go one-nil in front, as as is the um, the rhythm at the moment. Um, and then we'll score. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Jacob Greaves set piece to equalise it. 
Let's hope you do come to the game then, because like I mentioned, your mate stands next to us, and every every like I said on the last podcast, every single game he puts Jacob Greaves on to score five pounds <laughs> every time. And we can celebrate be, together. You know him One already. So it's going to be a great reunion. And he's going to win a, boat, a boatload of money and probably get the rounding after the game for us. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> what a moment that'd be. Nathaniel, what about you? Uh, well, I'll stick with the prediction I went on the uh, Cherries Red Army uh, YouTube channel earlier when I did a preview for that. Um, 3-1 Bournemouth, and that's my my head. I think we'll get a goal, uh, just saying that out of hope, really, because, you know, it'd be nice to have one after three goalless games. But I think Bournemouth might have too much for us. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we nicked something, you know, got a draw. But um, I think, you know, Bournemouth are a good side and we're not great, so... 3-1 and then maybe the score. Uh, I'll start the Tyler Smith propaganda. I think I'll get one off the bench. He's not even signed for us yet. I'm a pretty I know, he's not even I know he's, signed he's, he's signing. You've already it's going to happen. Are we not going for your other mate, the one we've been linked with tonight? Jack, Bur- Jack Byrne, Oldham Athletic Legend, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I don't know whether that'll happen. He's just some winger. Uh, Jordan Flores 2.0. Uh, I'm naming him, but uh, I mean, I just, it'd be great if I we could just sign off for your sake. <laughs> I, I, I'm just really excited. We're signing a striker that isn't, you know, thirty and a big lump. You know, it's the first time in a, in a few years, so um, it better it's happen. Otherwise, yeah, I, I might just. I've got my ticket for the Bournemouth game, but if we don't sign him, I might just not not turn up. No, That's a good point. Actually, going even, him. even in the Eves and McGinnis, when we signed both of them. We signed Balog as well, didn't we? He was another big lump. We just signed three oh, yeah. giants at the moment, didn't we? You forgot about him. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Completely. Norbert Balog. How did you pronounce it? Norbert. Yeah, I thought he was yeah. quite a tidy player. I liked Jamie. him for the like one and a half games he played for us. He played well against Forrest when he came on. That's what I remember. That's the yeah, only thing Forrest I remember. Fans, Forrest fans still think he dived, but then he got injured <laughs> and never played for us ever again. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a two two. I think that mm-hmm. I think we're gonna, I'm gonna go for a Desmond, and mm. I think we'll score first this time, just to go against all all, all the records. I think we'll score first, we're two 0 up, and I think we'll we'll concede later on. Um, and I'm gonna go for Greg Dockett to shut me up and put it, put us one 0 up. Yeah, all right. Um, but it, football's a funny thing, and it? it it's it's typical of all City. I said this last time just before Fulham. It's typical of us to go there and get a result. I'm going to say it's typical again for us to get a result or get a point against um, Bournemouth. But I think for me, I'm wishful thinking there. I think they dominate us and we, we just stay in the game. Um, but that kind of rounds up today's podcast. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining me. Will and, and Nathaniel, it's, it's been a pleasure again hosting. Um, I've really enjoyed it. And I'd like to wish everyone the best luck and hope you'll have a great day on Saturday when we mm-hmm. beat the Cherries. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Up the Tigers. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.